0: Well, good morning everybody. How are you? Come on. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm so excited to continue a series today uh, that we've been in for just one week. So if you missed any of it, that's okay. We've got, we'll definitely get you caught up. But uh, just a small little series we're doing around here called the best Christmas ever. And uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that in just a second. But can you believe that I think Christmas Eve is like five days away. Is that right? Five days. Some of you are sweating because you haven't got what you're supposed to get. You've procrastinated to the point that, you know, it's, it's, it's not here yet. Some of you ordered on, on Amazon and didn't realize that they don't ship things on time anymore. You know, you're, <laughs> you're sweating it. But, hey, I just want to say this. Um, I believe that God has something for you today um, that's different than the world around you. That's different. Uh, maybe you've been experiencing craziness, maybe you've been experiencing uh, challenges, distractions, uh, chaos. Come on, any of us? Uh, but I, I just believe that God has something for each one of us, and my heart today is that we would just open ourselves up to just simply receive anything that God has for us. And so what I want to do just for a second is I just want to pray for you, okay? I want to pray for all of us as we, as we step into this time of digging into God's Word. Let's do that. Jesus, In the quietness and the stillness of this moment, we ask, we really cry out to you and say, Lord, would you speak? We need to hear from you. We need to hear a word from you. We need need something that's going to help us because we want to be better. We want to experience all that you have for us, Jesus. We just invite your Holy Spirit into this place. If you're here today and you want to hear from God, just simply say to the Lord, Lord, I want to hear from you. I'm open, I'm ready, my spirit is available. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I am excited to tell you that we are, we, two weeks ago we received a legacy offering, and if you don't know what that is, legacy offering is basically we receive this offering, it goes in the bank, because uh, someday as a church we want to buy a new home, and so that's where that money goes, and, and I'm, I'm excited to tell you that over the last week we've seen another uh, couple thousand come in, and so right now I think we're hovering a little under $23,000 that's come in. Come on to go to legacy. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> It's so good. And so if you haven't had a chance to give to that, if you'd like to, there's still opportunity. Just go online and click the button that says Legacy underneath your giving, or you can even write that on your check or whatever. But, but I just want to say thank you to all of you that are giving uh, to that, and I believe that God is going to honor that. He's going to receive it, and that we're going to be able to do greater things as a church in the future as we prepare ourselves just to simply see what God's going to do. All right? All right, so here's the question I have for you as we start this series, uh, start the second part of this series, The Best Christian Christmas ever, uh, and it's this. Do you ever feel like, come on, do you ever feel like uh, peace and joy leave your body at Christmas? <laughs> you ever felt that way? Now, now I know some of you, like, you're just full of it. It's all, you know, like, in so many ways, you know, no. <laughs> You're just full of it. You know, you're full of peace and you're full of joy and it never leaves your body. You've always got it. But one of the things I've found is that during a season where we've set aside time to say, God, you're number one. We want to see your son. We want to look at him above all things that that the enemy is busy. And so what that means is, is that all that stuff that's going on around you is designed to keep you from experiencing the peace and the joy that Jesus wants you to experience in this season. That's that's what I believe. I believe the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy everything that God wants to give you. And so, so, so I think it's reasonable to say that at this season, at this time, at this kind of focused moment in time, that the enemy is busy trying to steal our... Peace is trying to steal our joy, and maybe you feel that way today, and I'm just glad you're here because I've got some stuff that I want to share with you that's going to help you as you think about having the best Christmas ever. Come on, we all need to have the best Christmas ever. Well, last week I talked a little bit about Luke chapter 15, and uh, if you don't know what that passage of scripture is about, it, it, you've probably heard a little bit of the story, and that is that there was this younger son that was lost, the prodigal son, and that's where you find that story. But, but one of the things I did is I focused in on the older brother in the story, and I looked at the older brother, and I examined the older brother's uh, relationship to his father and, and to his young brother and how that all went down. And the thing that I kind of teased out of that story is that, and this is really important you get this, is that we can do everything right and still be lost. And the point that I was getting at is that each one of us have the choice. Because see, if you know anything about the older brother, he lived in the father's house. He never left. He was there in the house. And so he had proximity to the Father, but he was unwilling to go into his presence. And what I talked about is that at Christmas time, often we can have proximity, like we know about God, we hear about God, we go to church, we, you know, we're 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 kind of around it. But we don't always go into his presence. Yeah. And when we don't go into his presence, when we don't watch our pace, what happens is all of the joy, all of the peace, all of the, the goodness of Christmas begins to just kind of dissipate. It starts to leak out of our body. Like some of us, you know, maybe you've got just one leak, but some of you've got three or four, and it's leaking and leaking and leaking. And you're not experiencing everything that God wants. And I, I'm just so excited to be able to share with you what's on my heart today, because I think it'll help us in the end. See, the older brother was angry. He was angry that, that the father had been so nice to the younger son and he refused to go in. He didn't want to do it. And so he had proximity, but he didn't have presence. And so today what I want to do is focus in on another big idea. Last week's big idea was that, that we have to break in order to have some intentional time of reflection. And some intentional time of lingering in God's presence for us to have the peace and the joy that we all want. But here's the other big idea I want to share with you this week. And that's that we have to intentionally unwrap, listen to this, the right fruit. We have to intentionally unwrap the right fruit if we ever hope to experience the best Christmas ever. Now, if you're at this point, what do you mean, unwrap a fruit? That didn't make any sense. Well, I'll get to it in a second. But we have to intentionally unwrap this particular fruit in order for us to have what I think all of us want. See, I want to read something to you out of Galatians chapter 5. See, Paul was writing to the church in Galatia, and, and, he, and he wrote this in, in chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. Listen to these words. This is what Paul tells us. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of what? Let me say it again. You guys awake? All right, let's, let's try it again, everybody. Here we go. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of what? There it is. This kind of fruit in our lives. Look at this. Maybe you've sung songs about it as a kid. Here it is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what is it? Self-control. Self-control. Now, we, we know this. Maybe you've memorized it. Maybe you've sung it. Maybe it's new to you. But this is what the Bible is saying, is that when you have the Spirit of God living in you, And the way that you get this is that you give your life to Jesus and Jesus brings the Holy Spirit into your life. When that happens, when that great exchange happens, the Bible says that there are fruit that come from that relationship. Now, they're not your fruit, are they? You didn't make this fruit. It's not your fruit. It's the Holy Spirit's fruit. So if you have the Holy Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit's fruit. You have access to the Holy Spirit's fruit. And and this is good fruit. Because all of us want some love. All of us want joy. All of us want peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of us want that, don't we? Well, some of us don't. We're we're like, I don't know about the self-control part. I kind of like living loose. And so, so we look at that and we think, oh, I need that in my life. And the Bible says that when you have the Spirit, you have access to those fruits in your life. So if you don't have patience today... If you don't have patience today, some of you got impatient this week. Perhaps you yelled at someone. Perhaps you got a little cantankerous with a person at a store. You know what I'm talking about. When things don't go your way. When it doesn't happen just like this. Do you know I've been waiting for five minutes? I mean, (laughs) some of you. Like some of you look at the microwave and you're like, "You come on. <laughs> I'm just telling you, if you're at the microwave and you're doing that, you got an issue, friend. See, see, we, we, we want it, but, but, but we don't always experience it. And I just think that the pressure of Christmas sometimes takes it all out of us. And the enemy wants to take it from us and take it because not only does it harm us, but it harms people around us. Because he wants people to experience the joy of Christmas through his people. And when we act a fool, we don't always do that very well, don't we? I just think it's true. And so, so when we have the Spirit, we have access to the fruits. And, and, and so how do we continue in this? Well, I think first of all, this is, this is something I touched on last week, is that it, is we have to remain rooted in the things of God. Like when everything else around you is going nutty, you have to remain rooted. What does that look like? Well, you've got to do those things that get you closer to Jesus. I'll just call it this way. like Just call it time in. You've got to have some time in every day. You've got to have, matter of fact, I'd say if you don't have time in, if you don't start your day maybe with Jesus, maybe you should. Maybe you should just say, you know what? I'm going to put him first of the morning and realize that if I put him first, he'll bless the rest of my day because that's what he does. So, and I know, so I'm not picking on you night people, because I know some of you, like, I got to go do the night. Pastor, and fine, do the night, just add the morning. (laughs) You're like, are you saying I got to do two? Yeah, it's okay. Now, is it really that big a deal? You could just cut out one Netflix. Is that how you say that? (laughs) One Netflix? I guess one show on Netflix. (laughs) So good. One hulu. See we just cut out one and, and then you have just another another hour that you didn't have before. There's all kinds of things we can do to readjust so that we can have some time in with Jesus. But if I'm just telling you, if you don't get rooted, you're in trouble. Because the world will come at you with all kinds of stuff and it will knock you off your perch if you don't get rooted. The other thing I know is that all of us are at a war, and sometimes we don't even know it. We are at a war within. And if we don't win that war within us, what will happen is there's a part of us that will start to do things that will take us away from the presence of God. Let me, let me share this in Galatians. Same, same section of Scripture, Paul is writing to the church, and this is what he says in Galatians 5, 16 through 17. He says, so, so I say... Let the Holy Spirit, notice the Holy Spirit's present here. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. It doesn't say you guide your life. It doesn't say let the world guide your life. It doesn't say let your wife or your husband. It doesn't say anything. It just says let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Watch this. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You won't be doing what the flesh craves. Craves. The sinful nature of the flesh wants to do what? Evil. Which is just the opposite. Look at that. Of what the Spirit wants. So, So the Bible is painting a very sharp contrast between the things of the Spirit and the things of the flesh. Then we go on. It says, and the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of, look at that that the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires it's not real complicated is it it's this or that it's this or that then we go on here if we continue reading says these two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions you ever had good intentions yeah I mean, you know, like when you write it down and say, I'm going to do it. That's a good intention. Like when you say, you know what, I'm going to start the year right. Here's my list of things I'm going to do. I'm going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to eat better. Right? I'm going to take my medicine. <laughs> but, but you see, we, we, we have good intentions. But our good intentions aren't enough. Because, see, if you don't have power connected to the intention, and if you don't have self-control connected to the intention, what happens is your good intentions are at war with the part of you that doesn't want to honor God, the part of you that wants to rebel against God. And when you fuel that, that wins. And any little bitty inch of that that you give creates a problem. It creates a tension. It creates an opportunity, an openness that eventually can come at you at such a powerful level that you will not be able to fight it off in that moment. And so what I'm asking you to do is not just get rooted. I'm asking you to win the inner world. You've got to win this war that's inside of you, this this tension between the flesh and the spirit. You've got to win in this area. And the thing that I figured out is the only way I know to win outside of just simply the power of the Holy Spirit in my life as I participate in that relationship because the Holy Spirit is the one that gives me the power I need. And I don't know if that makes sense to you. I I hope it does, but let let me explain it just real quick. When you say yes to Jesus, if you've given your life to Christ, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you know what happens? You get what you need to live out the life that you can't live without Him. And so the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and now you have the power and the presence and everything that you need to begin this process of becoming more like God, of becoming more like Jesus. And so what happens is the Holy Spirit does that and gives us what we need to fight off what? The flesh. To actually win the war. Matter of fact, when you wake up every day, you're not trying to win the war. You're simply fighting from victory already. Like, you're not fighting from a losing position. Like, your hand is good. You've got all kings, if you know what I mean, some of you poker players out there. You're doing fine because you've started from victory. You've started the morning from victory. You're not uh, in a position where you're in a hole already. You have been freed, and that's what God wants us to see. And so here's the thing. If you have that, then you're starting from a really good position. Now, I'd say this, if you don't have that in your life, I would love to be able to talk to you because the Bible says you can and all you have to do is give your life over to Jesus and that kind of stuff starts to come into your life and you'll have what you need. But if you do have Christ today and you feel like the the peace and the joy is leaving your body at times, I just want to say to you, I want to remind you again that you don't have to live that way, that you actually can move towards the power of God and do something. You've got to unwrap this fruit. Now, I'm not asking you to unwrap love. I'm not asking you to unwrap joy or peace either. And you're like, well, if I don't unwrap joy or peace, how am I going to get joy or peace? Well, I think this is true. Is we have to unwrap self-control. Because, see, when you unwrap self-control, fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit, all of those fruits that are existing that we just read come into your life. Do you see why self-control is so important? See, you have to begin to unwrap this fruit in your life in order to experience peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness. See, when you get this right, powered and fueled by the Holy Spirit, all of that stuff starts to come to pass. You literally don't have to take a pill to get joy. You literally don't have to do that to make that happen in your life because it will come to pass simply by the very presence of the Holy Spirit in your life and you saying no to the world and creating space for God. Those things will come to pass. I believe that. I know that there are people in this church that believe that. But how in the world do we do that? What do we need to do to make sure that we are applying this fruit of self-control? See, in order to have the best Christmas ever, we've got to figure this out. We've got to go ahead and unwrap that fruit of self-control and take a bite. And when we do... These things will come to pass. And matter of fact, in the same passage of Scripture in Galatians chapter 5, Paul tells us this. He says, if you don't do that, if you don't war against the flesh, if you don't take self-control as a fruit of the Spirit, what will happen is this, and this is a horrible picture. So he paints this picture in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, and I'll read out of the message to just give it a little bit of spice for you. But listen to this. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Now, he's saying that that's what it means to be a person of the flesh. Do you, you get it? Like, you're self-focused. You're trying to get whatever you want, whatever makes you feel good, right? And so he says, he says so, so this is what comes from a life that's just always trying to get their own way. He says, repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Man, this is sounding really good. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness. Anybody want some of that? Cutthroat competition, all consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence of love or to be loved. Divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, a vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. And then Paul's like, and I could go on. He's like, this isn't even a, an exhaustive list. And he says, this isn't the first time I've warned you about this stuff, you know? And he says this, if if you use your freedom in this way, if you use the freedom that Jesus has given you in this way, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Hmm. I say that, and I know I read that, and I know that there's nobody in this room that wants that. Like, you don't. No one wants that, right? No one wants this to be their life. And yet... Many of us experience that in our lives because we're unwilling. We're unwilling to say no to the flesh and yes to the spirit. We're unwilling. If we ever use our freedom to indulge the flesh, then what happens is the fruits of the spirit become elusive in our lives. And that's why this is so important. See, there's something that we have to do There's something that each one of us have to do in order to have the best Christmas ever. And it all comes down to, how's our relationship with God? And am I willing to say no to the flesh? Am I willing to live a life of self-control before God? Now, you being self-controlled does not save you. It's important you understand that. So just because you try harder doesn't mean you're going to be saved. The only way you're going to be saved is if you accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord and and enter into that relationship. And the good news is is when you do that, the free gift that he gives you is the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so as you receive that, you then can move out from a place of victory in order to win the battle, in order to, to walk into the challenges that you face. I mean, I think that's really good news to know that you can do that in order to be able to experience the life. And so here's the question I have for you. Do you ever feel like peace and joy? Let's just, let's just step back from Christmas. Do you ever feel like peace and joy is leaving your body on a regular basis? Forget Christmas for a second. Forget Christmas at this season. Just, just, just apply it to your life. I say, am I experiencing peace and joy? And if I'm not, then what should I do about it? So I've got two thoughts. Keeping your peace right now. How do we keep our peace? Here's number one, and this is the best one I know. Watch this. Is that we have to watch out for distractions. Come on. Any of you felt distracted this week? Any of you felt like something was getting in the way of your happiness or your joy? Matter of fact, the person might be sitting next to you. That individual has been stealing your joy and your peace. And you know what I'm talking about. Because isn't that what we do? We blame other people for our misery. You realize that that person has no control over your misery. This is a hard teaching, isn't it? Because I think what happens is that we simply want to live in such a way that if that person does something, then therefore I will now lose my peace and my joy. Because that person did that. Friends, you can live on that train if you want to. And I'm not saying it's not hard. Of course it's hard. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But the thing you have to understand is what you have to control is you. Have you ever tried to control other people? Works really good, doesn't it? It doesn't work. And yet we do it all the time, don't we? And some of you are more control freaks than others. You're just like, oh, you've got it mapped out for everybody around you. And as long as they do what you tell them to do, everything's going to be fine. Until a distraction comes. Until something comes in to mess up your plan. And the next thing you know, you're not loving God with your words. You're not loving God with your emotions. You're not experiencing this because your plans have gotten messed up. And one of the things I love about Christmas is when I interact with people that their plans get messed up. Because what I've found is, is that everybody's plan gets messed up, it seems, at Christmas. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's a coincidence, I think it's an opportunity for you to recognize that there's a problem here. And if you're allowing that to ruin you or steal from you, then you have an issue. That person or that distraction doesn't. Is that fair? Some of you are like, I don't like this. I don't like this teaching. Seems like you're always saying it's me. Well, (laughs) at least somebody's saying it to you. Because the world wants to tell you it's somebody else. The world wants to tell you that everything bad happening is somebody else's deal. And you're not a part of it whatsoever. You're good and everybody else is bad. Do You see the problem with that? And so so these distractions come. And so my heart is if you want to watch and keep peace in your life, you have to be self-controlled around distractions. That come because the enemy, he is lining them up right now. You are going to walk out of this building today, and there is a line of distractions coming in into your life. It's like a little assembly line of little rubber duckies. And those rubber duckies are distractions, and they're just coming at you. And they're eventually going to show up in your pool. Aren't these illustrations, and analogies? amazing? Rubber duckies. But they're just lined up, guys. They're lined up. And what are you going to do when they show up? Are you going to let them sink you? What are you going to do? Here, I want to I read something to you. And, and, and this is really powerful. In, in 1 Thessalonians 2.18, listen to this. Paul is writing to the church, and he's talking to them about him and his desire to come see them. Okay? Watch this. It says, We wanted very much to come to you, and I, Paul, tried again and again. But watch this. It says, but Satan prevented us from coming. He prevented Paul. Now, now, why is that important? I want to look at this word prevented. Because see, in the Greek, this word literally has this sense of to cut a ditch in front of you. So, you know, you're walking, walking forward, having a great day. It's Christmas. Everybody's having a great time. And then all of a sudden, Satan shows up and cuts a ditch in front of you. And you have a choice at that point. What do you do with that ditch? What do you do with the ditch? Do you build a bridge? Do you go around? What is it? Do you just sit there and look at it and say, Why did you show up in my life? What do you do? And that's what I'm talking about. Is that there will be ditches that get cut in your life. And the question is, is what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do when that shows up? I always like to call these rodeo clowns. Remember, you know what rodeo, any of y'all like rodeo? Anybody? Am I the only one? I'm from Oklahoma. Relax. I really love bull bull riding. Uh, That's probably my favorite. I love to do that. I mean, I don't love to do it. Uh, I mean, I've done it before uh, on a mechanical bull. And I just want to say I was pretty good. I paid a price, though. It hurts, but these these guys, you know, they ride. But you know the rodeo clowns. If you've ever seen them, they're there to create a distraction, yes, so that the bull rider doesn't get mauled. And see, that's what the enemy is doing. He's a rodeo clown. He shows up in your life, and he's trying to create a distraction. He's trying to get you off. He's trying to get you off focus. He's trying to h- help you believe or make you believe that you don't have the power to overcome, that you don't have the ability to tap into peace and joy, that you can't be self-controlled. You just kind of have to give up because you're never going to make it. You're never going to make over this thing. This thing has been, matter of fact, some of us have a habit in our life. It's just been going on like this. And the enemy's like, oh, yep, just keep going back to it because you're never going to get free. You're never going to get better. You're never going to, you got to just keep going back to it. And some of us have been in that for years and God is saying look see me don't see the distraction don't see the problem see the solution to the problem and so we have to look out for distraction number two that 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 helps us in keeping our joy number two is that we have to watch out for selfishness now any of you selfish (laughs) thank you Linda I appreciate you the rest of you go ahead and lift up your hand. Say, no, I mean, y'all are selfish. No, no. But see, see, we have an issue with this because we want to believe that we're not selfish, and that's true. Sometimes you do things that are not selfish, and you need to do acts of non-selfish things, and, and you're a very generous person now, and all that stuff. But what I found is even in my desire to be generous, and, and I do generous things all the time, there are these moments where I slip into selfishness. Have you noticed that in yourself? And I've shared this with you. I mean, when I used to drink Dr. Pepper, which I don't really anymore, occasionally, you know, I'll partake of the glorious vine that is Dr. Pepper. But I normally don't drink Dr. Pepper. But I remember, and I've shared this with you, is that when people would drink my Dr. Pepper, I would not like it. And I tithe. And yet people would drink my Dr. Pepper and I'd be like, what are you doing? That's my Dr. Pepper. Do you not know that is my Dr. Pepper? It's just a little selfishness, isn't it? And I don't care how far along you are. We all are vulnerable to selfishness. And that's what Jesus came to fix. That's why we're going to get better because Jesus now lives in us and we're able to do that. And see, here's the thing about selfishness and it will steal our peace and our joy. Why? Because you're spending too much time looking at yourself. And you know what happens when you spend too much time looking at yourself? You can't see Jesus anymore because all you see is you. And you become the distraction. You become the thing blocking you from seeing what God is trying to do. And when we focus too much on ourselves, these are the kinds of things that happen. I love the way that John Eldred said it. He says, notice, and this is going back to the older brother in the story. He says, notice that the older brother can't receive the father's generosity. Like in the story, he's unable to receive all the good things that he's given to his son. And so he says, notice that the older brother can't receive the father's generosity. He's closed off, curtained off by his attention to Self, he's so focused on the fact that his brother, his brother has squandered everything. He's done this and he's done that and he's done this and the father has done this and he's done that and he's done you with me and he's only seeing what has happened and it's all pointing back to him because at the end of the day, he's justified in the way that he feels I've found that a lot of times we look for people to help us justify our behavior. We do, don't we? And when we find them, we share. And we say, hey, look, this is what I, And they're like, oh, yeah, I can see. You know what? They really did wrong you. And you're like, yeah, and they did. Re- and, I, and you give it, and you give it, and you give it, and you keep going, and keep going, and you keep going. And, and here's the thing. You're just looking at yourself. And the enemy's got you now. Because maybe that person did wrong. I'm not saying they didn't. But it doesn't give you the right to do wrong back. And then justify it because that person was me. Can you guys relate? (laughs) I've been pastoring long enough. I know you can. Guys, we do it all the time. We're looking to justify our behavior, even though our behavior doesn't line up with Scripture. And the reason we do it is we're so focused on ourselves, and we're not seeing Jesus. We're so focused on what we want. We're so focused on being right. We're so focused on making sure that that person pays. But isn't it so messed up that we live that way? Because if you think about it, you would never want that to be applied to you. It's always justice for them. It's never mercy. But you always want mercy and not justice. Do you see what I'm getting at? See, that's what Jesus did. Because he flips the script and he, and he does things that are completely different than the way you function. Is that we don't forgive because that person deserves it. <laughs> we forgive because Jesus forgave us. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, in our state of sin, he came and gave his life for you and for me, not because of anything I did, but because of what he wanted to do in order to set me free. And so don't ever try to justify your behavior. Just simply surrender it to God and say, Lord, I'm in a prison and I've created it myself, I think. But I'm not going to live there anymore today, Lord, I'm giving it to you. I'm going to, a matter of fact, I'm taking back my peace. I'm taking back my joy. I'm not going to let these distractions get to me. I'm not going to be self-focused anymore. I'm giving it to you. And at Christmas time, I'm coming in and I'm going to experience all that God wants me to experience. Come on, who doesn't want that? Listen to this in Hebrews chapter 13, 15 through 16. I love this. Therefore, the writer of Hebrews, as he gets to the end of the book, if you've ever read Hebrews 13, is close to the end, and, and, and he's, he's like hammering it. He's like, okay, if all these things are true, if everything I've talked about in the, the first 12 chapters are true, then you've got to see this, right? So he, he starts hammering it, and, he's, and it's so practical. He says, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a what? Continual sacrifice of praise to God. Now, why do we do that? Because Jesus has done everything for us. We don't offer a continual praise of thanksgiving to God because life is good. We don't do it because I'm feeling good today. It doesn't do it because I had a good workout today. It doesn't. Do, no, it's because Jesus did everything for me. And the only reasonable response for any of us is to live a life of sacrificial thanksgiving and praise to God. And let, no, no, no. that's good. That's good. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you will do that, if you will wake up every day and say, glory to God. Hallelujah. Right. You just say that. Right. I want all of you. I'm going to start filming it and putting it online. You know, go Facebook live on the thing. Every morning you get up just so glory to God. Hallelujah. Right. People think you're nuts. (laughs) But what will happen is it'll shake it off of you. Praise always shakes it off. If you will live a life of praise when you're feeling angry and hurt and sad and have all kinds of stuff coming at you, start to praise him. Because when you start to praise him, it will train your spirit to get stronger. And when your spirit is stronger, then your mind and your body have to get in line. Yeah, and all those feelings and emotions that are destroying you right now become subjected to the spirit. If you begin to cr- just cry out to him, God, thank you for today. Thank you that I didn't wake up in a ditch. If you woke up in a ditch, say, God, thank you. I'm not... In the water somewhere. Find something. And praise him. Just glorify his name. I love that. And he says let's offer to Jesus. This continual sacrifice of praise to God. Why? Because he's good. Because he's done everything. And he says proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Jesus I love you. Oh God I'm so thankful that you put breath in my lungs this morning. God I give you glory and honor that I'm not sick today. Father, thank you that my kids love you. Thank you, you know, you, you, right? You just, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord. And if you have trouble finding anything to think them about, then you spend some concerted effort to find three or four that you can lift up and do it over and over and over again. And what you're doing is telling your spirit what to do and your spirit then tells everything else what to do. So good. Pastor, that's really good. And then in verse 16, watch this. He says, and don't forget what to do good and to share with those in need. See the selfishness part? Don't get focused on yourself. Don't, don't, don't just be looking at yourself. Encourage yourself in the Lord, yes, but make sure you start to turn it out. Because the moment you start to turn it out, the next thing you know, God shows up as you start to share with those in need. If you start to look at the needs of those around you, you stop looking at yourself. And this is what he says. He says, these are the sacrifices that please God. So when you worship him, it pleases him. And when we share with those that have need, it pleases him. Do you want to please God this Christmas? Do you want to have the best Christmas ever? Then do that. And you're like, Pastor, is that all I need to do? Yep. That's it. It's not hard. But will we? You know what I mean? You can choose to have proximity but not have presence. Christian, you can. God gives you that free will. And my heart for you is that you choose joy and you choose peace by really beginning to up your self-control so that you don't get distracted so that you don't get distracted by the things of this world. And as I get close to ending, I'll share these final thoughts with you. I think it's important that we create some space to serve other people. You know, just create some space in your life. And I'll ask you these questions, just a couple simple things. Who in your life right now needs your time? Who needs some of your time right now? You could serve them, love them, encourage them. Who's somebody that needs your skill, your talent? Right now, who who can you help with your skill or your talent? Who's somebody that needs your treasure? Maybe they're in need. Maybe they can't pay their bill. I, I don't know. Who is somebody that you can help with your treasure? And then finally, who's somebody in your life, in your family, in your friendships, and at work or wherever that needs your testimony? Because some of you have been through it this year, and God has been faithful to you, and you haven't said a word. And there are people that need to hear your testimony. So create some space to share. So I don't know what it is for you, but choose to, to do that. And then finally, create some space to celebrate God and others. Come on, I've already talked about worship. I don't have to spend much time on that. But you celebrate God. Do the things that you need to do to make sure you're focused on celebrating God. And then finally, here's the other thing, and I'm going to free some of you today. Some of you are trapped up in some bondage around jealousy and envy in certain relationships. And this is what I know. If you will begin to celebrate that other person's accomplishments, you will be free. Because jealousy and envy will destroy you. But if you celebrate the person that is bothering you, you will find that it's a road to freedom. So start celebrating somebody that you're angry with. Start celebrating somebody's accomplishments that you're mad at. Matter of fact, here, I'll go one a step further. Sow some seeds into their life. Like literally, send them some money. Write them a check. Sow some good seed and see what God will do. Because see, don't we know this in the Bible? If you sow seed, right, you'll have a return. If you sow anger, well, guess what kind of return you get? Anger. You sow bitterness, bitterness. You sow jealousy, jealousy. You sow love, love. You sow generosity, you sow peace, you sow. You, you're with me. It's a very simple principle. And so create some space to honor God and create some space to celebrate God and celebrate some people. And when you do that, I believe you'll have the best Christmas ever. And that's what God wants for each one of us. Let me close with this last passage of scripture. In Hebrews 13, same, same chapter. He's going after it, same chapter. Verses five through six, he says this. He says, let your conduct be without covetedness. In other words, don't be jealous of people. Don't be jealous of what other people have. Don't compare yourself to those people. Don't worry about those things. He says this, he goes on, he says, be what? Content. Do you know our world is designed to make you miscontent or uncontent or however you say that? That's how the world is designed. Everything is stacked against you. Every ad, every marketing ploy, everything on Facebook, every algorithm that some robot is programmed to to feed you. It's all designed to make you feel what? A lack of contentment. Because if it can get you to that place, guess what? You think you have need. And the moment you have need is the moment you buy what they're selling. Friends, you got to get out of the matrix. You got to start thinking. You got to start looking around and saying, you know what? You're right. Everybody's losing their minds. And I'm a part of it because I've allowed these things into my life because I haven't been self-controlled. I haven't guarded my mind and my heart. And now I'm not content anymore. I'm not happy. I'm not at peace with what God's given me. And I'm only focusing on what I don't have. And I heard a very wise woman say one time, He said, everybody wants what I have, but nobody's willing to do what I've done to get it. We got to be willing to do the hard work to get it. And so may we reject the ways of the world. May we reject our flesh. May we reject all the things that keep us in a place of longing for something other than what we currently have for the greener grass on the other side of the mountain. God, would you help us to just see that it's just a higher water bill. Jesus, would you help us? He says, be content with such things that you have. And then he says this, he says, for he himself has said, listen to this. Oh, friends, you've got to hear this. Listen to this. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's Jesus. Jesus. Wherever you are today, maybe you're just holding on. The Bible says that I will never leave you or forsake you. That's the God that you serve. And then he quotes from the Psalms. He says, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Come on. Can you think of a better helper? The Lord is my helper. And he says, I will not fear. What can man, what can woman, what can this world do to me? I'm a child of God. I'm a son of the most high God. You're a daughter of the most high God. What can the world do to you? Except what you allow to be done. So may we enter into that today may we trust God may we trust him come on may we trust that God is with us at Christmas that he's the one that we can count on that we can put our trust in our faith he's our helper he's the one that we need thank you God for not forsaking or leaving us Jesus we give you glory let's pray Jesus thank you for helping us find a way to peace and joy God, thank you for for creating a route through the difficulties of life. Thank you for for, uh, creating a path where there was no path so that we could find the peace and the joy that comes from knowing you. Father, I know that there are people in this room that are longing to be in your presence. They've been in your proximity for a while, but they just haven't gone all the way in. And, And so just for a moment, I want to pray for you. If you're here today and you're like, I've got to get this right. I just want to help you. Just say to the Lord, Lord Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry for being focused on all these other things. I'm sorry for looking at the things of this world. I'm sorry for not being content with the things that I've have. God, I, I'm sorry. Just say this to me. Lord, would you come sit on, my, sit on the throne of my life again? so that all I can see is you. That's what I need. So God, I I ask that you do that. I invite you here. Jesus, would you come? I reject fear. I reject doubt. I reject distractions. I reject selfishness. And I embrace self-control embrace peace and joy and love and kindness. I embrace all of these fruits that come from your spirit, Jesus. Would you fill my life and my body and my mind again with those things? Perhaps you're here today and you would have to honestly admit that as I was talking, you know that you know that the relationship with Jesus is not where it needs to be. Perhaps it never was. But I can tell you this, friend. If you don't start there, these other things won't come to pass. So what I want to do for just a moment is give you an opportunity to pray. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's done all the things that he says he's done, if you'll do that, he will literally come into your life and save you and restore you back to a god that loves you and he will fill you with the power you need. And so what I want to do for just a moment if you're here today and you're like I've got to get this right. I want to offer a prayer and if this is you, if you'd like to have this as well, if you'd like to pray this prayer with me. What I'd like for you to do just as a way for me to see and and know that it's you. With heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm not asking people to look around. I just want to see your hand. And so on the count of three, I'd just love for you to put your hand up and let me know that this is something you'd like. And so right now on the count of three, if it's you, just go ahead and raise up your hand right now, okay? One, two, three. Just go, go ahead. I see your hands. Good, good. Anybody else? This is your day. Don't wait. Good, good. Awesome. You can put your hands down, church. Let's all pray together. Nobody's praying alone in here, right? We're all going to pray together. And so I'd encourage you, if you raised your hand or you wanted to raise your hand, if you just repeat this with me. Lord Jesus, I need a Savior. Will you be my Savior? Will you be my Lord? I surrender my life to you. Will you fill me with your Spirit? Will you change me from the inside out? Would you give me peace and joy? I choose this day to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions? Come on, it's so good.